Okay, it's day three, and I'm here with David Palumbo in front of some truly magnificent that blue oil paintings. Yes. Obviously, oh yes. And uh, where can people learn about your work, David? Um, I have a, a site that they can go to, uh, dvpalumbo.com, and I guess mostly I'm also just like showing a lot of stuff on, I don't know, Facebook. Uh, I do have a DeviantArt account that I'm pretty good at updating, and a uh, blog, which I'm kind of good at updating. So that's a bunch of stuff. Okay. How did you receive your training? Uh, well, uh, my parents are both artists, and uh, so that kind of helped when I was, you know, still in, like, middle school and high school. I was going and doing life drawing and uh, that kind of thing. And then um, when I went away to school, uh, I studied traditional academic painting, uh, portraiture, and, and that kind of thing. And it wasn't until I graduated that I started figuring out how to, you know, kind of tailor that towards doing the, the fantasy illustration and the, the, you know, the kind of work that I'm doing now. Yeah. Through all that, through all that, throughout your education, was this something you'd always been gravitating towards? This genre, for instance. Yeah, I think um, like when I was really young, I thought I was gonna want to be a comic book artist, and uh, you know, I was really into you know Jim Lee and uh, Todd McFarlane and, and that kind of stuff. And um, somewhere around my middle teens, I guess I just kind of I don't know. I guess. Maybe I stopped being quite as interested in comic books, and I got more interested in, in, in painting when I went away to school, and uh, so that's just how it all kind of fell together. Sure. But what were some of your first experiences as a professional? Uh, I came out of school doing gallery art, um, and uh, that kind of kept me living meagerly uh, uh, while I was figuring out my illustration portfolio and that kind of thing. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I guess I, I would go to conventions, you know, and talk to just about every single uh, artist that seemed interested in looking at my work. And, and some of them were nice enough to introduce me to people who were able to possibly give me work later down the road or also go into portfolio reviews, just going, you know, hanging out at the bar <laughs> wherever and uh, picking up, picking up. The kind of like the low rent clients, and then sort of climbing up a little bit on the ladder to, you know, getting paid more reasonable rates and that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, uh, and I remember um, like Wizards of the Coast was a really big one when I, I, I went and talked to uh, um, Jeremy Jarvis at San Diego Comic Con. And showed him my work, and he was, I think, thoroughly unimpressed, and uh, gave me some some good feedback though as to where I could improve. And I saw him again the next year, and I showed him my work, and he gave me some more feedback. And I think it, it took like two years, maybe two and a half years, before uh, it actually developed into anything. But um, you know, it, I'm I'm glad it did, and uh, still working happily with them today. So uh, yeah, you know. No, is most of your work in the gaming industry, or do you work in... I, I see things that would indicate uh, you know, other uh, markets. Where do you like to work as well? Uh, it's it's balanced back and forth a lot um, between the, the gaming, card games, uh, and, and that kind of thing, and uh, book covers and traditional publishing. Um, I also, for 
not quite. I, for about two and a half years now, I've been uh, art directing for Nightshade Books, um, which kind of developed from having been freelancing for them for uh, quite some time. Um, although I'm, I'm actually, you know, I, I say that, but I am just leaving the company right now so that I can focus my attention completely on on painting and uh, not have to worry about other people's deadlines, only mine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, it's, it's, I, I find, you know, working freelance, you never know what month, one month from the next what you're going to be doing. So one month it might be magic cards and video game stuff, and the next month, you know, it might be a, a book cover and a bunch of gallery work or something like that. I lost the train here. <laughs> this, stuff, this is where it gets edited out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who are some of your primary influences currently? Uh, I think my my top would be uh, uh, definitely Sam Weber, um, Jeremy Giddies. Uh, there's a, a couple of guys that are not illustrators but that are a big... Uh, inspiration to me are uh, Antonio Lopez Garcia and um, Alex Konevsky, who uh, are, are both fine artists, but I, just as painters, really just blow me away. Um, there's a tremendously long list of, of artists and illustrators that are inspirational to me, going, you know, all the way from like the the guys working in the 18th century up until guys that I. I'm just finding their work, you know, at conventions now. But uh, but th- those those are probably the the four that are at the top of my list. Sure. Now, what are you currently working on? You're using some magic, and but uh, is there a certain? What, do you have a certain um, personal projects you're pursuing, or? Um, I've I've been doing a lot more personal painting this year. Uh, I kind of shifted. The direction of my my work and process uh, about a year ago, and uh, I've been kind of working with a slightly different technique, and I think getting a, a for me much more satisfying uh, result in my painting since then. So I've been making an effort to to you know do a lot of just personal, uh, not art directed projects, and uh, hopefully you know be putting together some kind of book or collection of that stuff. Um, sometime next year or possibly 2014. Uh, but yeah, uh, s- still, uh, you know, really enjoying working with magic. I'm, I'm doing uh, a illustrated novel with uh, Centipede Press, which I am just going to be finishing up in the next couple of months. Um, uh, yeah, some other some other game work. Uh, just kind of definitely odds and ends slotted in between those, you know. Now, if you, what are some of the, maybe if you can recall, what were some, perhaps some of the best you know, advice you may have received moving forward? It sounds like you had some really good good thoughts from Jeremy Jarvis during your portfolio reviews over the years. Yeah. And well, what were perhaps some of the things that were, some advice that might be formative to you? Uh, I remember, well, specifically to Jarvis, it might not, it, I don't know. If it's formative in the big picture, but it was something that I, I went home and I, you know, wrote it on a piece of paper and stuck it to my studio wall, which was, um, you know, just to, to re- it was it was something I'd, I'd have to paraphrase now from memory, but it was it was something to do with um, 
you know, making sure to, to put the time into filling out the world, you know, the, the, the details and the costuming and that kind of thing, and, and making sure that there's a, a real texture and, and, um, and depth to the to the world that the characters live in, you know. But, I mean, in, in general, oh, and uh, actually there was a, a much more important piece of advice he gave me, uh, which was to, to not be worried about how fast I was when I was working on my paintings because, you know, it's, it's every, especially when, you know, you're, you're getting started and you want to be able to really, like, turn out a lot of work and you want to get a lot of jobs and everything, and you, you see other people who have been doing it for a lot longer that are able to really, like, you know, crank out piece after piece and everything looks really good, you think you ought to be able to do that too, and, you know, the truth is, when you're just starting out, you really need to take your time and, and make sure that each piece is as, as good as you can make it, uh, rather than trying to rush through. So that was, that was a kind of an important kick in the ass that I got from him when, uh, when, when he was talking to me about just, like, he could see that I was not taking the time necessary to, to get the best result that I could. Um, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of advice that I've received or just kind of things I've figured out. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of the, some of the more major ones. I mean, being, being true to yourself instead of trying to paint the way that you think, uh, someone else is going to want to buy it is something that I've been kind of coming to terms with very recently you know I I, uh, I have been experimenting with a more painterly uh, and textural and looser application of my paint which I was always scared of doing because I didn't think it was marketable and I didn't really know if I was going to get hired for another job if, if that was what I showed somebody uh, but you know I, I kind of decided to, to take the risk and see what happens with it and um, so far I'm not only am I happier but it seems like um, people are responding to it more than than they were to the more polished work which I feel is like kind of just not as not as lively or emotionally powerful as the more expressive painterly stuff um, yeah I think I think there was another one on my mind, and now it just... Well, that's okay. You've, you've given us a lot to think about. Yeah, it's its certainly something I'll be thinking about. I know, truly, the, I was telling my students, you definitely have to slow down. Oh, yeah. Slow down your work. And they, they see me do a demonstration, and it, it gets to a point, the thing that they are impressed by very rapidly. But they don't realize that when I started doing it, it was a much slower more grinding process of searching yeah. you know, before I found something that worked for me. Yeah. Now that I'm doing it demonstrating in front of them, they think they have to work that fast. Yeah. You know, I expect that of them. And then they try, and then things start going turd-shaped rapidly, <laughs> you know. Well, and another thing, I feel like there's two big things that I'll see when I'm looking at uh, portfolios from, from students and young artists that... Um, there, you know, there's the, the plateaus that you get to and, and uh, you hit a plateau and then you're kind of struggling to improve and then eventually you move on to the next one. And there's, there's a step that I see a lot of people getting stuck at where they're doing one of or possibly both of two things. Uh, and one of them is, is, is that, is, trying, is feeling like they should be able to do this piece in a certain 
you know, rapid amount of time and, and rushing through it. And the other one is uh, feeling that they can probably just do it all from, from imagination and memory. And, you know, whenever I've talked to someone, they've shown me their portfolio, and I saw that these were the things, and I suggested that they they do more referencing and that they take their time with their work more before, uh, you know, calling it finished. Um, those who actually followed through on, on that advice, the next time I see their book, it's like they've, they've jumped ahead, you know, They've, they've gone light years ahead of where they were. It's it's amazing sometimes what um, getting getting those two things under control can do to, to propel them forward. So those are probably two for anyone in that position of you know that 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 stage of their development that they're struggling past. Those are two things to think about. If, be honest with yourself if you're actually doing them you know the best way that you can. I'm interested in that. I, I think it's, it's commendable that you know, you have a very developed body of work. I mean, it's, it's very strong. And the fact that you're all still trying to go outside of your comfort zone to continue growing, I think that's something that's applaudable. I, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't... Uh, I don't want to ever feel like I'm bored with what I'm doing. Mm. I certainly don't want anyone else to look at my work and find that it's dull. And um, so, you know, I, I think... The way I feel right now is that I'm kind of looking towards a direction and I'll be trying to figure it out indefinitely. I don't see, like, you know, an, an ending to reach where I'll, I'll say, ah, now I've got it, you know. Um, and I just maybe kind of forgot that for a while and got comfortable in the way I was working. And now that I've started kind of, you know... It's it, it, it's it's working a little bit harder, <laughs> but uh, it's not using the the basic um, go to solutions that that I know. You know, well, this composition is a pretty, you know, verse. You know, it's like trying to come up with an idea that is effective and also not the the first most obvious thing that comes to your head is always going to be uncomfortable and difficult. But usually, in the end, it's it's worth you know, the trouble and pain that you have to go through to get it. And I actually, I mean, that said, I'm, I'm a lot happier in the paintings I've been doing this year uh, for having stepped out of that comfort zone because it's, it's uh, I feel like it's engaging parts of my mind uh, when I'm working that had been getting a little bit sluggish and lazy before. Hey, you know, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. I'm sure they got a lot out of it. I know I did, so. All right, well, thanks a lot. All right, good luck. To episode 124 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is, as always, a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. On the panel this week, we have Patrick McAvoy. Hey, I'm megaflowgraphics.com and worldwarkaiju.com, which is even more awesome. Sokar Miles. Uh, That's you. Uh, agorablimey.com damn it I got this right the first time why did you have to <laughs> oh. Kieran Yanner 
at kieranyano.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll open up this episode with just talking about the, uh, the recent technical hiccups we'd, ha- we'd suffered at, uh, at NinjaMountain.org. I know that some folks were attempting to access the comments sections of various blog posts, and we're not having success. Uh, we've been kind of um, scaling back the involvement of that site with regards to listener um, interaction. So maybe uh, Kieran knows why. And... Uh, so uh, what was happening essentially was that um, we were getting inundated with so much spam that it was shutting down on the server. Um, and we tried a bunch of different things uh, with the, um, the server text to fix it. Uh, and it was not working. Um, so uh, what we've decided to do is um, uh, move over hosting and, and well, at least at least communication and, 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 and release of podcasts and things like that to Facebook uh, until we can kind of figure out what to do. Sure thing. So, if, so basically, folks, if you'd like to comment on these, on this and previous episodes, just head on over to our Facebook page and look up Ninja Mountain Podcast on Facebook, and you'll be sent directly to our page where we always we post updates about the show, um, announcements, and of course your comments and questions. And that actually brings us to today's question. From listener, and I again, I, I try. Hopefully, I'm not totally butchering this name, but uh, Tay Cop or Cope. I, 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 I'm fearful to mispronounce it, but I'm sure Tay will uh, correct me. Uh, Tay writes, I would love to hear your thoughts about how to make the decision about trying to go into art professionally or not. In Tay's situation, it would involve uh, the decision to spend a fair amount of money on education, uh, relocating, and and of course, Tay also questions their own uh, level of talent. So, I mean, there are other things that go into that, um, into the decision to become a professional artist. Uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about our own experiences, about what um, what some of the steps we took that got us to begin our career. Maybe that might be a good opener. Uh, yeah, was... definitely. Or mm-hmm. uh, I, I know Sokar has a general word of advice for people in this situation. Mm, yeah, find something else to do. Our industry is full. All the spots are taken. <laughs> I am, of course, joking. Yes. Yes. Come on, come all. There's plenty of room. You'll get rich, I tell you. This is actually our second effort at recording this podcast right here. Jeremy did something wrong. Like his his baby stood on the um, recording thing last time. I don't know. So we had to start over. So that's why none of our jokes are going to feel spontaneous. Oh, also we made fun of, um, what's his face, his name? Jan Popsicle. And then I expressed regret at having done this because last time he punished me on Facebook. And no doubt and Jan will punish you again. Yeah, we realized she just likes being punished again. on Facebook. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so it, wasn't, it wasn't me who said all that. Anyway, it was it was, it was Jeremy. Well, it was you know, Jeremy. just to get just to get Sokar back on track, then and stop making fun of our good friend Jan. Maybe you'd like to tell us uh, what prompted your decision to become an artist. Um, I went to the Fitzwilliam Museum when I was 12 years old with my mother, and I saw a bunch of art close up, and I thought, hey, I could do that. 
it, unfortunately, it turned out I really couldn't. I was absolutely pits at it, but um, I was absolutely determined to do it. Um, unfortunately, I had been told that I could do whatever I wanted and write my own ticket in life. What my teachers neglected to say was, as long as you stick to maths and sciences. <laughs> 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 so I, I decided in my infinite 12-year-old wisdom that I wanted to be an artist, which was probably which was one of the two subjects in school of which I did not excel, the other being physical education. Ugh, I hate physical education. It shouldn't be a subject. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I think you're being a bit hard on yourself. You're an excellent artist, and I was a terrible one to start. Can, I was really well, well, it, well. There we go. Now we get to the crux of it. I think almost everybody is terrible when they start. I don't know. Some people just seem to be awesome, and they seem to have they seem to have a better visual, a better ability to translate the uh, the visual to to, to, to paper. I mean, you know, anybody can learn that, but some people seem to have a better aptitude than others, so they get a little head start. But I was mm -hmm. determined to catch up. I mean, I think anyone can learn to draw. Anybody who wants to can learn. But, you know, some people, you have to be prepared. It's going to take you longer if, if you're absolutely rubbish to begin with. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. You know, I mean, I, I, in recent, uh, in, back in September, I was... Celebrating um, quite, a f quite some, you know, I'd been, I'd started my port, my studio in 2001, and I decided I was going to post some of my earliest color work, just to uh, put things in perspective. And uh, my earliest stuff was pretty dire, pretty <laughs> dire. And I think most folks would, uh, if you were, if you follow me on Facebook or or what have you, you've, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I think. No school is going to teach you everything you possibly need right out of, and to just jump right into it right out of the gates. And I think even some of the most uh, stellar talents out there, people whose artwork I admire, they had humble beginnings as well. And um, there are so few stories of artists who just they hit the water and it, it releases a tsunami. You know what I'm saying? They just hit it big. And I think the more accurate, I think the more uh, average story, the more. Um, the one you're going to encounter more often is the slow burn. What yeah, I mean, everybody's got to start somewhere. I mean, you know, you hear about some people that they start a company and it instantly, you know, goes high on the stock market. They sell it. They are billionaires at 20. But, you know, more often you hear about somebody who gets a job and 15 years later they're making a good salary and uh, buying a house and what have you. I mean, you know, for, for most people... Um, it does take time. It takes practice, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, networking, a lot of uh, you yes. know everything. Everything that goes into it. <laughs> Sorry, Kieran, go on. I was I was just agreeing with the yes networking. Yes networking. Yes. <laughs> Yay networking! I, you know, some of my most recent jobs were by referral from fellow artists. That's um, there. So it's not yeah. always just about meeting with art directors sometimes it's just you know you have you have mutual interests you have friends in the industry and they're not they're not going to be always able to take the jobs uh, that they're presented and they're most artists including myself are not afraid to suggest to others who are available for it who might be interested so i mean definitely uh, you know, 
that's that's a huge part of it i think that's a huge part of it and same same with art school um you know i mean i i have not been to art school um uh, but from talking with others what i've gathered is one of the biggest benefits from going to art school along with learning art history is um uh networking is uh, your exposure to a lot of people a lot of different artists and those people often remember you as time goes on and um, if uh, they don't have time to do a project or um, they get work at another company and they're looking for someone to take on something um, that your talents kind of adhere to, you're likely to get contacted as opposed to trying to build a career in a bubble, I guess. Yeah. Plus, you know, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're networking a lot, over time you do find that you make some really nice friends and it's good to have friends that understand your position you know other other people who are in the same boat as you are Mm -hmm. well i think in many ways uh, networking is directed friend making you know, <laughs> you, know you, you can't be funny about it because everyone's going to catch people who are funny but but you have to kind of say uh you know i i can't get lazy i've got to be making friends all the time and and it also keeps people from being dicks <laughs> you know you have to network you know you know it's a funny thing of some people i thought were dicks ages and ages ago i'm now friends with like um Especially people who used to tell me I was yeah well no, I never thought you were a dick but you know people who used to tell me I was doing things wrong I used to sort of well you know how young people do they they react against that sort of instinctively haven't learned how to do that little wait am I wrong evaluation yet yeah. so um, you know people I thought were dicks that were actually giving helpful advice um, I'm now friends with no I'm the dick giving helpful advice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just a dick. But. You, know, you know, if we're looking at, um, I mean, the, 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 I think the path that I took was one where, um, well, certainly as a, as a child, I found that I loved comics and cartoons and animation and all the things that kids love. And I just happened to carry that forward into my adult life. You know, I think that's um, perhaps uh, where a lot of us kind of come from. Um, it just, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if you, do you think illustration necessarily the job that you choose or it's one that very, very much chooses you in it's that a bit romantic of both. sense, it's, you know? It's a bit of both for me. I mean, honestly, I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of silly, but after that trip to the Fitzwilliam, I never really wanted to do anything else again. I mean, up until then I'd been planning on, you know, going to surgery or you know maybe physics i don't know <laughs> same same difference yeah. i hadn't i was 12 i hadn't quite decided yet but you know That's okay. I, yeah i wanted to be either a scientist or a football player when i was 11 but, you know after after it was like after that after that trip i just never really could muster up much enthusiasm for anything else again um as far as the career was concerned and I still enjoyed science classes and stuff, but, you know, the idea of being a surgeon suddenly just had no shine left. I was, you know, asking my mother to buy me art supplies and take me back to the museum all the time. And uh, I, it, any passion I might have had for anything else just it sort of ended up being 
eclipsed and now I'm in a position where I really can't do anything else because I have to work from home and I, I don't have any skills that would enable me to do much else from home so well I guess I could teach piano lessons or something if I had a piano but now I'm kind of backed into a corner so I've made my bed and I have to lie in it fortunately I like my bed it's a nice cushiony four poster <laughs> good <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's uh, a very fatalistic view, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's probably a, it does go to the question Jeremy asked, which is you know I, I think it chose it chose you. You didn't have anything to do with it, and I think that's with most of us. Who well, who I have lists. I have one of those you know addictive personalities. When I like something that much, I really have trouble tearing myself away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I played Dragon Quest Nine for like a whole year, just to get all the internet content. Wow! <laughs> and art is way better than Dragon Quest Nine. <laughs> it is. Well, but I think I, I don't know if it's it's you know that unique to you as far as the uh, obsessiveness goes, because most artists you, know, you have to obsess yeah. while to get good at it. Um, you do. I mean, you have to you have to sort of crave that constant level up. Yeah, yes. Do you think, guys? I mean, that uh, that um, that obsession really—it's just a—it's really just a symptom of the love that we have for this uh, for genre work, for instance, for for the craft of illustration. I think it's it's a we don't choose. For instance, you don't necessarily choose who you fall in love with, and I think that this this path in life is one that. Um, like I say, I think that's why you might say it chooses you, chooses you. You think of all the hard work that goes into every assignment, and and for relatively, and you think of all the labor that goes into a piece versus the compensation for that time. You know that's got to be more than financial that keeps you going back to the drawing board every day. And I think if you that when you have that love, that your decision is kind of made for you. Mm-hmm. In, in that way I, at least that's my experience I can't imagine myself doing anything else yeah um, I, I, I agree oh Karen I was going to yes. say I think for me um, uh, it's kind of a combination of what um, Sokar had said about it being the only thing I could do um, and uh, and uh, at the time it was um, something I could do and get paid for and um uh, pay my bills with, um, uh, and when I started out, I really had very, very small bills, um, because I was pretty young and living on my, with a, with a friend of mine. So, um, uh, but kind of out of necessity, um, cause the only other experience I had was, uh, working at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did work at, um, uh, internet cafe. Um, but, um, yeah, it, was there anything that I found, you know, somewhat rewarding and, um, and, um, but the, the, the kind of, I guess, yeah, the, um, yeah, the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole love of it kind of thing, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, um, <laughs> <if we all laughs> kind of, um, and, um, you know, uh, I think, I think what a lot of people don't understand at least um, from trying to talk to um, new people that are coming into the field, um, as I have over the past couple months, um, people that don't work in the field or haven't worked in the field for a long time, 
um, <laughs> don't have a jaded perspective, um, but it's also a re- realistic perspective. A lot of people think um, that it is just this pure fun, um, you know, and you kind of live in a fantasy land um, most of the day. And the reality is you have to, you know, be very, you have to have a very strong work ethic um, and, um, you know, a lot of diligence to, to what you're doing. And if you don't, you're not going to get anywhere or you're going to get dissuaded and end up doing something else, which is, mm-hmm. sounds like what a lot of people do when they get into art school is that they leave and go get a job doing something completely different. Um, yeah, or they, or they, you know, parlay their BFA into a master's in something else. Yeah. You know, teaching, often it's teaching, uh, which yeah. is certainly a, a noble um, pursuit. Yeah. Um, my father's a professor, so, um, you know, nothing against that. But um, a lot of people do end up going into something different, especially once they realize that how much time and effort you have to put into the underpinnings of your business, yeah. like um, uh, tax preparation. You have to do all that yourself. Um, well, actually, my mother does my taxes for me, um, so I can't really say <laughs> theoretically. That. <laughs> theoretically. Um, and then, um, you know, you've got to spend a lot of time talking to people, a lot of time reaching out to people. And, you know, for every for every job you do get, there's probably, you know, 10 or 15 people you talk to and it never comes to anything, um, especially early in your career. I mean, nowadays, usually if I talk to somebody about a job, I end up doing the job. But, um, you know, there's other times when, you know, they, they write for a quote and then they're, and then you give it to them and they say to you, oh, sorry, we weren't looking to spend that much. Or, you know, they go in a different direction. Or, you know, that's always going to be part of the scene. There's always going to be, um, you know, you have, to put a, you have to put a lot of effort into stuff like marketing and, um, uh, um, you know, financial planning. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think also that uh, people need to realize that they need to at least to some degree divorce themselves personally from the work that they do for clients. I think that also from what I've experienced talking to people getting into the field is, um, uh, you know, I, I guess they try to do that in art school. That's where you have the, the you know, the, the cliche stories of the, the art teacher, you know, tearing up their work in front of the, the class or whatnot. Um, but, uh, you, you, you kind of, I mean, you are, you're working for a client and you really just have to tuck it up and do what they want you to do. Um, uh, and, you know, getting defensive and, um, overly opinionated about the piece towards the client kind of, um, also... Uh, blocks your career path, I think, as well. That, does, that doesn't, because, doesn't mean, of course, that you should never offer an opinion. No, no, no. But, um, you know, and there's, there's, you know, you have to kind of master the way of doing it too. Um, yeah, you've really got to work on your people skills. Yes, um, and even the way you present thumbs, um, placement on the page yeah. of the yeah. thumb that you like, um, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bit of a dancing game. Um, the big one in the middle. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, you really do have to, um, you know, you, it, it's it ultimately 
when you're doing work for hire, it's not your work. Um, mm -hmm. The work you are producing is is production work for a client. Um, you know, so you have to be okay with um, you know the grass being changed to a different hue, or um, you know an arm being cut off and moved to a different spot, um, <laughs> uh, which happens a lot. Uh, uh, so, and I think that's that may be also another reason why people go through art education and then they realize um, that it's not all kind of a fine art attitude um, behind it. It's um, you know my thoughts are that it's very much a collaborative effort. Does that make mm -hmm. you know you, you're you're working hand in hand with an art director or a writer in some cases, and. You just have to be willing to, I guess, like you say, don't be too possessive of the of your of your art per se, because in the end, it's a team effort, and you just have to be willing to make certain um, uh, consideration to the people you're working yeah. with and what they need. Yeah. But also, also understand that sometimes it's not. Sometimes you end up working with a company that is, um, they just kind of want you to execute what they're thinking. Uh, and oh yeah, yeah the hired yes. hand. Yep. <laughs> yes. uh, and you know, um, you you have to kind of just um, figure out if that's a company that you want to work with or not. Uh, the best is when they want you to exercise what they're thinking, but they have no idea how to express that to you. So yes. you, you you really have to sort of develop a, a sixth sense. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I had a. a uh, experience, not real early on, but uh, it was several years ago, and I I had to kind of uh, uh, deal with the flip side of that too, and actually learn you know the main lesson of uh, you know being uh, a hired hand, so to speak, <laughs> where they they knew what they want and they knew how to express it to me, uh, and. It just sucked. It just sucked so bad. And I kept, you know, doing sketches and and correcting their really bad ideas and, and writing very detailed notes saying, now I changed this part because this isn't working because, you know, because art. And they absolutely... Uh, it would not take the clue, but on the other hand, I wasn't taking the clue either that, you know, they really, really wanted it a certain way. And yeah. so when we, uh, you know, we, we reached a real impasse and I had not uh, gotten that message. And that was really the first time I got that particular message uh, you know, when they came back to me at some point and said, uh, you know, if, if you can't do what we're asking you to do, we can find another artist if you don't want to do this. And I'm like, wow, they're not taking my really awesome advice. This is crazy. And uh, sort of got, got the idea at that point. Oh, wait a minute. They just want me to completely do their 
vision, no matter what it is. I guess I'm going to have to do that sometimes in my life. So, so there is always that where they've, <laughs> they, they're just on a completely different path than you are artistically. They might not know anything about art, but they do know exactly what they want. And when, th- that's when you just have to say, okay, you know, uh, today I am a ditch digger <laughs> and, <laughs> and dig that ditch. Well, th- that's another thing too, is that uh, a lot of art directors are not formally trained in art. Um, that they tend to come from other divisions. Uh, that's not. I'm not saying that is completely across the board, but that um, seems to happen quite a lot. Um, or the art directors um, uh, essentially are middlemen for design or a writer, etc. Um, and uh, the people that work in design and um, uh, you know. Uh, tend to be fanboys of what they're doing, of their own work. Um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, you doing your own personal work and then someone coming in and offering a suggestion to it and you, you may take it, but at the same time it's your personal work. So people that tend to, at least from what I've experienced, people in design tend to design meaning like... Um, research and development, game design, things like that, uh, tend to uh, have to, they're champions for their own concepts uh, and they have to petition that concept and so they get very heavily attached to that concept and a particular vision that they want to see. And that also tends to bleed into the visual direction so you often end up having visual direction by people that don't know how to visually direct. Uh, and, and again, that kind of comes into the situation of, well, you can either sort of suck it up and do it, or if you realize what's happening, kind of move on from there. But it does, it, it permeates throughout all fields. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not something that's just um, remote to uh, tabletop games. Um, at least from my experience. Uh, and, you know, sometimes sometimes that does work out. Sometimes you end up working with a designer that is um, uh, open to suggestion or is eager to rely on your skill set as an artist and realizes their shortcomings in that area. But you end up not experiencing that quite a bit too. So... Yeah, you, you you meet some lovely clients as well as lovely other artists. Yeah. You know, I've I've worked with a lot of people that um, I'm still in touch with, even though we're no longer working together. Um, and it's just been a nice experience from start to finish. But of course, there are the frustrating ones as well, and I'm sure there've been times where I've been the frustrating one where I haven't quite got the idea right away. Um, <laughs> there can be. Um, I remember one assignment I had where I was really annoyed because this the sketch kept getting getting sent back and sent back and um eventually I decided maybe I'd better talk about this a bit more before I send back another sketch that clearly isn't what I wanted and you know, so so I rang them up and I had a little chat with them and it turned out that the whole thing was just um I had really got the wrong idea from, from what they'd said. It was I was barking up completely the wrong tree, so 
uh, what we decided to do is just throw away the sketch that had kept being sent back and to come up with something completely new, an entirely new concept. So sometimes, so, you know, sometimes you are the problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you, sometimes you misread something, you, you misinterpreted, you brought your own assumptions to the table, and um, so sometimes you, you just have to sort of suck that up and go, oh, that's what you... All right, let's do this again. <laughs> so, so it sounds to me like part of one of the... Uh, deciding factors or one of the criteria you'll kind of want to examine in your is when deciding to embark on an illustration career would be are you good with people are you a people yeah. person can you communicate are you willing to teach because you're going are to, you you're flexible flexible yeah, yeah. The, so it seems to me it's it's very difficult to be that uh, romantic notion of the uh the irascible artist who doesn't like to be questioned and Walks in, walks into the situation, is in complete command of the room, that sort of thing. That old, that the idea that the uh, the artist is the diva, to be yeah. uh, catered to. You no, know, if, if you want if you want to be a diva, you would you would really have to go into fine art in some capacity <laughs> and stay well well away from illustration. Um, you, it's just you if you're going if you want to be um, if, if if you want to take that kind of attitude that you're going to run into so many conflicts of personality and um, really quite probably quite nasty blow-ups I mean not, not mentioning any names I know I know a few people like that and um, uh, I would say their careers are not where they should be based on their skills in general I mean I, I do know one person who's a, who can be a, a big a big um, really but seems to do just fantastic but um, if you think I'm talking about you um, probably I'm not. Don't ask me though, because if the answer is yes, I'll actually tell you. <laughs> if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. <laughs> you know, I'm probably so not talking about you. Um, I'm, the, the, the person I'm thinking about isn't a big internet person, probably isn't listening to this. So um, if you think I'm talking about you, I'm probably not. Well, there's also the, the option too of sort of going about your career on your own, um, selling yourself as an artist. Uh, you know that that works for for a good number of people. Uh, and then, then, so, you're, then you're not really an illustrator. I, yeah. Well, uh, unless yeah. you're illustrating stuff, I guess you no, could well, there, call there yourself are, one. Uh, well, that's an overlap. Is it fine illustration? Uh, uh, well, I wouldn't say a lot. There are a number of people making a living doing what is essentially. Uh, really good illustration art, only they're selling it uh, as a fine artist would sell it. And, Under their own uh, terms, or doing their own projects. I think uh, James Gurney. About being illustration. Mm -hmm. and, and that does exist. You know, that's out there. And, and I, I'm assuming, you know, obviously most of the people listening to this show are, are interested in some form of uh, genre art or, or and or, you know, being illustrators. But there are people like, I don't know, Michael Parks is a great example. Um, uh, who, you know, they're doing what would essentially be illustration, but they're selling themselves as fine artists. And there's lots of those people these days who are going, you know, direct to galleries or to doing prints, uh, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's been around for a long time. Uh, uh, back in the 70s, like uh, Barry Smith started doing that. You know, I went from comics to doing just, uh, you know, originals and prints. So, so there's there's that whole aspect, and you can be a, a diva if you want to be that way. But you know, I, I don't think I don't think Barry Windsor Smith is a diva. But illustration, <laughs> but illustration, yeah, it's part of part of a team. So you've got to 
uh, check your ego at the door usually. Uh, and, and, oh, and I, I did want to throw something in on, on that also, which is even though you do have to, you know, watch it and make sure that you're not uh, being the big part of the team, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the me, me, me person, uh, a, a, an amount of passion is um, uh, valued by, by a lot of clients. They, they value the passion that you have and they value the fact that you, you do want to contribute and, and you just have to know when to stop. As Sokar was, or somebody was saying, you know, you sort of need the sixth sense of, of what to do. But you know, a good amount of passion. I, I don't want to just tell everybody that oh, uh, you know, you can never have that because uh, yeah. you know clients want your enthusiasm quite often, and so yeah, you just have to know when they want it and when to shut up. I, I actually, one of the ways I get around that is I always try to find something because I'm also super critical. You know, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm also very critical of my own work. So I'll find something in everything that I do that I really like, you know, or that I can really kind of cling to and like, oh, you know, I'll do it. You know, I really, they like this idea, so I'm really going to kind of have fun with this idea, even though I have to do X, Y, and Z around it. Um, and that helps get through the day for me at least it's also good to sort of avoid the um there seems to be almost a perception of the client as the enemy that circulates which is definitely something to be avoided um they're not the enemy they're just there's somebody who's you know they're looking for some nice pictures to illustrate their thing and um, their vision might not be the same as yours is but um they're they're more um a look at the more as a collaborator that you might not be all that familiar with and you've got to um you've got to come to a common ground with them but uh, they're certainly not i mean they've, they've obviously hired you because they like something about what you do um they, they want to love the results they want to be happy with your product and um you, you know you're starting on what should be a high note so by no means should these people be sort of seen as your enemy Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things to do, um, particularly I think with perhaps within our uh, with our genre, is to divorce the. Um, well, you can't divorce it. I mean, you have. Well, I have a love for fantasy science fiction, but I also have to look at things from the uh, direction from the perspective of business too, and I can't really allow my love for a particular subject. To completely cloud my business decisions, mm -hmm. uh, I've done that in the past, and it, it very seldom seems to pay off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, <laughs> something to consider. Um, I think you have to, because let's face it, it is a creative business, and I think if you're not ready to wear both hats, I think that might be something that might be uh, you may have to really consider carefully. I think it's it's important to balance your love of. Uh, of the work with good business decisions. Uh, that's, that's right. Yeah. So just as, you know, um, design, you know, design teams can be, um, sort of, you know, fanboys of their work. You can end up kind of getting into that too much too. Um, and yeah, the, the, what Soko was saying with, um, uh, you know, being, being collaborative and, and finding that sweet spot, um, and being flexible to do that. Um, yeah, really is the key. 
you know, it, you know, I think from the uh, if you're looking at it from um, whether or not it's a good decision to go full time professional as an artist, uh, we can we can give the usual uh, I think the the fair advice that yeah you know, the whole idea of uh, you do you may, maybe you maintain a day job while you build up a client list. And you get to a point where, if it, if, it, if it indeed ever gets to that point, where the amount of work you're taking on as an artist begins to eclipse the work that you might do as your day job, I think that's when, then it seems like a good business decision at that point to pursue the profession. Um, although, you know, I have to say, I mean, I, I kind of jumped in both feet myself and I worked an even I worked evenings as a waiter, you know, and I just kept my daytimes for the art and my evenings for that regular paycheck. And there are so many different ways to do it. Um, me, I, I can't say as I've ever had any other um, uh, interest, I think, than beyond illustration. So I think to what Sokar and, and Kieran were mentioning earlier, where perhaps you, were, you didn't feel like you had too many other choices of career. And I think what happened to me is I, I think I had some choices, but I think at this point I've trapped myself just by the things that I love to do into um, what I'm doing right now. I don't, I don't, see, I don't see myself um, moving on to a different uh, career, per se. You know, that's not related to what I'm doing now. I think I'm the only one here who actually had a, a real, you know, career, quote, career that I, I jumped and moved because I had been doing... Uh, you know, a real job in programming. What was your the, What was your job? I was a programmer. For that's not uh, a real job. That's a real. I know. Job. I know what those. I know what those guys are like. They sit around and play on their playstations and just eat uh, pizza and stuff all day, and then they do a little bit of programming. Oh no! Just I, kidding. I, just kidding. Fun programming. <laughs> I was doing business programming for uh, okay for places like Chevron and. Uh, and British Telecom. So, uh, yeah, definitely not even the fun programming, but it was a real career. So I actually did have to jump at some point and say, okay, I'm going to take a, a pay cut and do what I really want to do. That was, uh, that was wild. That was a very interesting thing. That did take a bit of planning and a bit of just uh, a leap of faith at one point that, that I was good enough to do it and that was uh that was almost 20 years ago now so i guess it's worked <laughs> you know he our, our listener actually also asks kind of the philosophical question of should a job be just a job you know the pursuing one's passions should that um eclipse should that be all important and you know, it kind of brings me to an exchange I had with my older brother who works as an executive for a major insurance company. And he had other plans in life. He had other interests. Um, he wanted to coach soccer. He wanted to do other things. But he followed a career path. And it may not be one that was passionate for him, but it allowed him to su- support his family and do all the other things in life that he wanted to do. And he, there was a point where he was very much questioning my choice of pursuing something like art which is, at least in my situation, hasn't always been the most lucrative, but it's been the most satisfying. And I had to point out to him, though, the people he surrounded in life are successful in one way, and the people I've surrounded myself with are people who are successful at the thing I want to do. So, I mean, I have plenty of examples 
of where a career such as mine could go or will go or perhaps is actually right now perhaps in the in the process of going in that way so i think it's also a matter of who you who you surround yourself with is going to indicate to you i think what is right I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I surround myself with people who love the thing that I do and are successful at it, and I hope that over time I'll continue to learn from them. I mean, um, did you guys have that conversation with, uh, say, a parent or a sibling questioning your decision to get into the arts? Yeah, my parents um, really were shocked. It was not expected. Art was probably the last thing they ever thought I would do. My mother reminded me often that I had no talent. <laughs> was very discouraging. But although she was very verbally discouraging, she did buy me lots of really expensive art supplies. And, you know, um, oh, yeah. once it became clear that I was leaving pre-med and going to art school, for sure, um, she decided to give up on the... Um, give up on the attempting to make me not do that and um, and be, be um, as supportive as possible. Uh, I mean, she switched gears completely at that point and uh, helped me with uh, the financial part of affording art school. And, uh, you know, she, she looked at my new work and be very encouraging and, uh, and so forth. So, you know, it started out like, oh, my God, don't make this horrible mistake. But then it sort of turned into, okay, the mistake's been made. Let's uh, make the best of it. Yeah, I was like, I was like, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, maybe it was reverse psychology she used on you. <laughs> yeah, like um, you know, um, when when your when your son has a girlfriend you don't like, um, if you tell him that you hate her, it pushes them together more. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe mother is secretly encouraging me by telling me I have no talent. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I was going to say I was I was pretty lucky actually. My uh, my mom from a very early age kind of probably figured I would never be much use doing anything other than art and uh she she really encouraged my my art and my music so she was uh yeah i i did i i was very lucky in that regard so so ha ha <laughs> so ha uh, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> no i i i was i was really lucky uh you know not that it was a, a, a she was completely impractical, but uh, no, she really did. Actually, she was kind of disappointed when I left uh, left school and became a programmer. <laughs> she was like, "Hey, what about all that art?" <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would have been that would have been nice to get that kind of support at an early age. But you know, I mean, I think my mother didn't have time to adjust because until that trip to the museum I showed really no interest in visual art I, I even failed it a couple of times which is hard to do you have to be really <laughs> <Yeah>. bad <laughs> um, and, and you know I, I, am, I didn't really show any interest before then and you know between the age of 12 and when you finish high school and go to university at 16 or 17 there isn't a lot of time for your mother to 
realize that you're serious. I mean, it's not like I I gave her a lot of time in there <laughs> to, to adjust. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was basically um, I see something one day and it, I'm sure that for at least a year she must have thought it was just a fad like all the other stuff I got obsessed with briefly. And, you know, once it started to get to the end of high school, she probably thought I was too young to make that kind of decision. Because, you know, teenagers aren't really known for making the world's best decisions. And my history of making decisions in general was pretty bad. Everything from fashion to life choices. <laughs> no, you know, my parents have always been very supportive. They were always supportive. You know, they sent us, they sent us to art, art lessons after school, they they sent us to art school when we came when we came the time for the college years. There was no, uh, I never felt any lack of support there. And even when I was growing up, is that was uh, you know my mother might complain that I was drawing monsters and dragons and what have you, and but that never stopped her from getting more paper and pencils and paints and <laughs> things of that sort. It was never discouraged, you know. But um, yeah, so. Well, that's good. Now, have we actually answered the question? Should we reiterate it and, and see if we've, we've kind of zeroed in on, on helping him in any way? Okay, yeah, because I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess maybe um, I think Tay was asking what are some of the – perhaps if we wanted to be technical about it, we could ask what are some of the, what are some of the criteria that – uh, we found to be important when deciding on this as a career path. What are some of the things that we that made us say, you know what, we can make a go of this? Uh, you know, they're, yeah, they're the intangibles. Uh, for you know, me, but, yeah. I'd say, yeah, I, I'd say very. Uh, it, it's a pretty easy uh, answer. I, I knew I could make a career at it when I started getting too much work to keep my regular job. <laughs> so maybe that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, are you actually getting work? Uh, and and a corollary to that is I don't I don't know about you guys, but a lot of artists um, who make a career of it um, do have to do what Jeremy did and what I did and just hold down a you know real job for money and do your art in your spare time and which means a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of uh, uh, you know really really uh, grueling hard hours uh, until you get to that point where you think you can, you know, kind of let go of your safety net and do nothing but that. But but for me, that that was a real simple criteria. I, I said, oh, look at this. I am at the point where I could make a living doing this if I left my job. So that that you know, because I was already getting an income. So that's that's uh, if you want to just be practical about it. That's, that's an easy way to make your decision. Mm-hmm. Or you can, or the other way you can make the decision is if you have some savings enough to last you about a year, then you could take a leap of faith and yeah. start building your client list from scratch and spend that year devoting yourself completely to marketing yourself, putting new art out there and uh, getting as much work as you can. Um, but in order to do that, you probably need, well, I don't know, that depends really on where you live, how much it would cost you to live for about a year. 
assuming you get no or minimal income. And this doesn't mean that you need to go into this, you know, that you know, this is all based on just inner faith and, 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 and things of that sort. I think you, you can make empirical judgments. You can look at what's out there, on, on, especially on the Internet now. I mean, people are, you can see exactly what people are doing and what is selling and what is considered to be successful in terms of you know the the career path that you're seeking here, I mean there's no yeah that can be a, it can be a little Perhaps. bit misleading. So. But I mean, what I'm saying is that I think it's you know. it's important to engender in yourself a certain sense of place. You know where you are in the spectrum in terms of um, what your abilities are, and it's mm-hmm. it's great. I think it's I think it's it's been helpful to me to look at the work of others and. I have to understand now. This is where I stand on this spectrum. This is this is these are the artists to whom I will be compared based on my work and style and the market that I'm going after. Does it measure up? Is it better than what they're doing? I'm unfortunate in that way because most of the artists that I'd be compared to are dead, <laughs> so they can't compete with me anymore. Screw That's you, right. Harry Clark. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody if somebody wants to hire an artist who would have been popular, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, but they're, they've inconveniently died, they can now hire me. <laughs> but you know, there, there there is still some competition from other people who are very inspired by the golden age of illustration. It's not like I have no competition whatsoever and totally dominate my niche. But it, it is fortunately. Um, it is. A, I am lucky in that my style fits into a smaller niche than, say, manga. In which case, I mean, I mean, if, I think if I had decided to do manga, I would be really unsuccessful because there's so many people trying to do it, and a lot of them are really good. So, <laughs> I think, um, you know, if you have a small niche, it can be a double-edged sword because there's less probably less opportunities for you as a whole but you're more likely to um get a crack at the opportunities there well, are do you think that my uh, my reach for objectivity here is is that uh, is that um damaging no i mean you you should definitely be realistic about your abilities and how you stack up against other people and um you know, not just your ability with the illustration itself, but how good you are at um, budgeting your time, how good you are at self-motivation. I mean, if you're the sort of person, if you've got nobody breathing down your neck, you're going to wake up in the morning and uh, lie until 11.30 having breakfast in bed, and then you're going to play on your PlayStation for a while. And then, you know, day after day is going to pass in lazy, lazy dumb until your deadline is on top of your head then you probably are not cut out for a career in illustration. You, you, you won't make it. Now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, um, you think you, you, you know, you, you can think that you've got everything planned out, but, you know, then you get more work that you didn't expect and suddenly you have two deadlines crashing down upon your shoulders. Yes. Or you, or you, catch, or you catch a cold and that takes a couple of days off. So, you know, it's better to do your assignments as fast as you can as soon as you get them so that you're not at the very end of the deadline like, oh, my God, I better, I better get my skates on. I, I used to take on more assignments than I could really handle. So it would often be sort of on the night before something was due, up all night, and um, 
that's not you know we all do it early in our careers but it's not necessarily all that bright because um actually that kind of behavior resulted in one of the very few times i've been uh, i've had a um a cover that i've done just rejected um and you know the, the project killed because uh you know if you're turning something in right on the deadline it doesn't give you a chance to do it again if it wasn't what the art director had in mind there's there's no time for uh, big revision. That's right. Yeah, it's always good to get it all in as uh, soon as possible just because of that. Uh, not that we always have the opportunity, but it's a good thing to aspire to. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you, you know, even later in your career, you can get a rush of work and you need to take it because you need the money. But, you know, so you do end up with... You do end up with a, at least one assignment that's going to be cutting it very fine, but mm-hmm. you know for that reason you have to be able to uh, um, motivate yourself, even if you're not feeling creative, even if you have no particular inspiration to get to work, even if uh, a brand new game came out and you want to play it, you have to be able to um, motivate yourself and tell yourself, um, okay, I work between these hours. I, play between these hours, I can't um, slack off. And, I mean, some people just, they, they, they don't seem inclined to do that. And, you know, I mean, I remember a long time ago in RPG.net, um, there, was, there was somebody who was actually pretty good, I, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was I think, um, he was making maps or something, and uh, he had, he had um, a lot of problems, I think, with... Uh, just too much on his plate and he ended up getting in trouble for stealing maps from someone else and trying to pass them off as his own and I mean I'm sure most people wouldn't end up quite in those dire straits but you know you can end up making you can end up in a position where you have to take some shortcuts and the work that you come out with isn't your best and it can hurt your career more than help you so um, if, if you're not good at budgeting your time you might want to try something else well said or, or work on it or work on it, you know. If you're not good yeah. at it, you can get you can get good at it. But <laughs> there's no, that's true too. Here. Yeah, I, I used to suck at color, and <laughs> I worked at it. And now I suck less. So, yeah, I you, used to you suck can work at on everything. anything. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can work on anything. You can, you know. I used to, I used to suck at time management. In fact, not so much that I'd be lazy with stuff, but I just take on. Way more than I, 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 way more than I should, and I get confused, and I wouldn't write things down, and uh, you know I had no system in place. I didn't even have a notepad file with deadlines written in it. So uh, yeah. I am, uh, I have ADD, so um, uh, I am really, really bad with um, uh, managing stuff. Um, so I, I've had to learn. Uh, tactics to do so, like constantly keeping the list and rewriting a new list every morning, um, essentially having self-meetings, if that makes sense. Um, that does make sense. Yeah. I've That's got electronic it reminders for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, my, I have my iPod beside me, I'm working, and, you know, it beeps at me. It's, it's just, you know, it beeps every day about, about um, you know, 2 p.m., and it tells me it's time to have lunch. Because I will forget to eat. 
I will completely forget. And it'll remind me when I've got a deadline coming up. It'll be on, you know, the tasks for tomorrow thing that's on the little pull-down thing on your iPod. So, you know, I keep track of it all electronically now. I used to have a little piece of paper I'd write stuff down on and cross it off as I did it, which is a satisfying feeling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah when, I, when, I, when I really get going, I have a, a large... Uh, a dry erase uh, three-month calendar and uh, when when I've got a lot of uh, jobs going at once I will uh, put the various uh, deadlines and milestones up on that calendar and have put it on my wall <laughs> right in front of me <laughs> so I've got that going every morning I look at it and say okay by today I need to have such and such and that that really helps uh, time management when I need it. Also, I like to sort of, uh, I've just recently come up with this. Well, actually, my sister came up with it. I can't say I came up with it. But <laughs> so um, making myself immediately accountable by, you know, as soon as I get as soon as soon I get a job, I'll say, you know, write to a client and I'll be like, thanks for the job. Um, and then I'll let them know exactly when their sketches are going to be ready. And then once they've approved one of the sketches, I'll let them know the time frame when the ink will be ready. I mean, I used to say, oh, yeah, I'll get to the, uh, I used to say to my client something like, okay, I'll probably do this next week. <laughs> but, um, because, you know, I generally give them a rough time frame that was before the, um, that was well before the deadline, but um, not that specific. But now I'll be much more specific and it helps me keep track of, okay, which order I'm going to do things in because I'll have said, okay, I'll be working on this on Thursday instead of, I'll be working on this next week, so then they know they know that they should expect something from me on Thursday. So that means that I am very motivated to work hard on Thursday and have something to show, even though it's not my official deadline. It just keeps me um, it keeps me sort of on track to get everything done in the right order and not get confused and forget something. So I guess the the overarching the theme is are you know, be organized. You know, I mean, that's the... Yeah, the more the more organized you can be, the happier you will You know, be. the funny thing is, you know, you see, you look at photographs of artist studios, and uh, as many photos as you see of artists who have these really cluttered workspaces, huh, me, uh, there are so many more who have really orderly workspaces where things are very much in their proper spot, and don't, don't trust, trust those photos, they lie. <laughs> those photos are a lie <laughs> but you definitely have to be organized well, in, in your working life I think you have to have some sense of you have to like you say you have to be able to chart your deadlines you have to be able to know when uh, uh, this sketch is due when that invoice should be sent when this paycheck is due well, these are all uh, <laughs> these are all uh, cross the T's dot the I types of details but these are all things that you have to be willing to do Plus, I think the client feels a bit better when they're getting a definite day in their mailbox instead of sometime yeah. next week. <laughs> I mean, it, it sort of didn't occur to me that that might seem a little vague because it was already way before the deadline sort of thing that I'd give them a time frame. But then it occurred to me that, you know, the more specific I can be, the more comforting it'll probably be. So um, <laughs> this is where this is where I am now. My days are planned down to the minute. <laughs> oh, I I've had to become even that much more um, forceful in my schedule because I have a little baby here, and he's sitting here on my lap as I record this podcast. And the the realities of that, 
of entering when you have to when something as life-changing as that comes in you know you, I could either allow it to completely derail <laughs> my work schedule in life or I can just make it part of it and try to bring it in you know and just make it work and that's what I've had to do you know I'm probably going to I'll probably end up painting until quite late tonight in order to make deadline you know in wow. order to because you know this when this guy's awake you can hear him right now when this guy's awake <laughs> daddy ain't getting much done <laughs> you know I got up really early this morning so I'm actually already finished for the mm. day so Nice. You know what I'm going to do with my evening? I'm going to um, play some PlayStation and sleep so I can get up really early mm -hmm. tomorrow. You know, I tried getting up really early uh, to do things. Do you know who also gets up really early? The baby. <laughs> this little guy, yes. Yeah. So he, he's, he's mirroring me too much. I can't... <laughs> You know, I, I haven't got one of those, so I, I guess I'm kind of lucky from, from that standpoint. <laughs> I've, got, I've got none of that going on here. <laughs> He's, is that you or the baby? That is my that little boy. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I've gone insane. <laughs> I thought maybe you were imitating him. It, it sounded a bit like an adult making a baby. You know, just to kind of get back to one other point about... Uh, the listeners' question with regards to education. Kieran, you come from a self-taught background. Um, uh, most, many of us went to art school, and I, you know what? I, for the life of me, I can't tell the difference in terms of ability, and you know what? What would one walks away from either way? You know, when it comes to education. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean. I, in this day and age, it seems that basically education is important, but the mode of it, where you get it from, seems to me the one that's up, and that's the real area of. Uh... Uh, well, to me, actually, I don't think from. Uh, I'm going to be presumptuous, um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think any of us had access to uh, classical atelier true. education. That is true. I, I, want, I wanted to go to the Slade School. But I couldn't afford it. Yeah, and I think I think if one of us had gone to a classical atelier, I think the story would be different. Mm. Um, I um, think uh, I, I did. I did get I did get that effort, opportunity on a on a less formal basis. There are a couple of groups in my area that offer that sort of thing, but no? um, certainly nothing I paid for. Just yeah. artists doing atelier style. Uh, tutorials and stuff for each other so um yeah I, I did not have that experience of art school um yeah. I think which is, it, which is unfortunate could have used it yeah exactly the same here <laughs> but I, I i have to say though i did actually have a good experience of art school because going in i was really really like absolutely rubbish i, I can't overstate how much rubbish i was um, I, I really needed the, to learn the basics and and learn them um, in as clear terms as possible because um, it, it was just it wasn't something that my brain naturally took to in any way. Um, trying to translate something from my brain onto a piece of paper, it it just seemed like something that could only be done through endless trial and error and um, Going to art school showed me a lot of stuff that probably should have been quite intuitive, but really wasn't. And um, 
it got me to a to point where I had the foundation I could build upon. So for, for, from that spent standpoint, it was it was completely worth the money. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like practical. I mean, I mean really. In getting yourself educated on the the core aspects of image making, sounds like, to me like the most valuable mm-hmm. uh, part of the education you're going to yeah. get. I mean, you can learn in a day how to how to prep a canvas, or you know, in a long weekend of tutorials, you can master. You can get comfortable with programs like Photoshop. Yeah. But I think having a real strong grasp of the core concepts of image making will be what takes you the furthest. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you know, I should also, uh, in uh, in uh, fairness to myself, say <laughs> that uh, the other another thing you can do is find a a tutor. Uh, you know, just somebody to help you with various aspects of art. Uh, I say that because I do that <laughs> for, for <laughs> students. Uh, some of some of whom uh, have already gone through art school. And, you know, they're out in the world doing things and they just want to, uh, you know, get tutored in certain areas that they feel uh, they could use some help in. And so that that's another very valid way to go. And it costs a lot less, too. Like if you <laughs> even if you haven't gone to art school, you know, some of my students haven't. Uh, but you're doing art and you're, you know, uh, either embarking on a professional career or planning to, um, you know, it's a less expensive alternative is to find a, find an art tutor like, like me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. also go to, uh, uh, sketch groups. There's a lot of, uh, life drawing sketch group groups around. You can go and do that for, uh, not very much money and get a lot of great experience. And, and, and that gets in your networking too, just like school would. Um, or if you're up in the Seattle area, of course, you can go to, uh, Karen's, uh, Karen's place, um, which is, uh, really awesome. You should, you should plug that Karen. <laughs> Karen's gone quiet. Karen's kind of dark. <laughs> Awkward silence moment. Uh, yeah, he says, nah, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of it, um, everybody? Uh, what Italian? Cafe Atelier. Yeah, Cafe Atelier. Atelier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful idea. So Karen's gone for the moment, so we'll have to plug it for him. Cafe Atelier in uh, Seattle. Um, So you can go to someplace like that and uh, get a lot of um, uh, instruction and and help from other artists and and just a sense of community. So there's a lot of things you can do outside of actually going to school, which are quite valid. Or just, or really just very directed oh, yeah. education, like, like you might get from an from atelier of training. I mean, that kind of, um, mm-hmm. something like that where you're, you get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, right. and that's like apprenticeships as well, I think. I think directed education is figuring out exactly what you want to do and then getting into that, you know, expanding your horizons a little, but really doing focused education as opposed to... Yeah, I I have a friend who we were trading emails and she was talking to me about, um, she she felt like she'd hit a wall uh, in her life and she was contemplating very seriously going after a master's degree. And I had to, I, 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 you know, I have to say, I I, kind of steered her away from that idea because I had to ask her, for one thing, why do you need it? And really, it was for her. It was more of an, an ability, perhaps, just to get art back into her life and to maybe um, 
hide there for a little while in, in, the, in academia. <laughs> and, but why would she mm. accept that level of debt without a clear business plan? Let's face it, getting an education, require, I think, in, in retrospect, I think having a business plan is not a bad thing. <laughs> Even when, what skills do you want to have for your business? Invest in those skills. You know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think she wasn't making it from a business standpoint. And I don't mean to make everything about business, but I think when you're talking dollars and cents and what you're hoping to get out of your investment, I think you do have to think about it in those terms. You know, if you're going to go after a master's degree, is it in order to teach? Because that's really what a master's degree is, tends to be for. Yeah. Means that on paper you're allowed to teach at the college level. Very true, and and I think uh, I, I think the uh, the the baby on your lap had some important things to say about that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it does seem, it does seem to have um, some definite response. Um, I think I think it's agreeing with us. Oh, I definitely, definitely. But you know, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a, a good But at this opinion. age, he doesn't know better than to agree with dad. <laughs> You know, <laughs> my little. Yeah. I could tell him anything. We should have a show sometime about whether artists are good parents. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would pretty probably be an overgeneralization. Either maybe you seem like a good. I parent. try. I try. I'd be the worst parent. It's a good thing I don't have kids. I think what it comes down to, like anything in life, is uh, you have to at least enjoy it. You have to enjoy it. I enjoy being a dad. You, you do seem like so, you're enjoying you know, it. If I didn't enjoy it, I probably wouldn't be much of a father. You know, then I think the same way, if I didn't enjoy art, I wouldn't be much of an artist. I don't feel I would be. Even, even if I had all the skills yeah. and talents that come with being a great artist, if I didn't enjoy it, it wouldn't come through very effectively, no. But um, I don't know. I mean, we, I think this is. A, I think in some ways this question, this, the line of questions, were philosophical, and others are fairly hard-line um, things that we could offer advice on. But, mm. but I th- yeah. I think we offered some pretty reasonable mm-hmm. advice. I can't remember anything that any of us said, but hopefully, <laughs> it was really sage. It was awesome. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't listening to myself, let alone you guys. <laughs> so uh, perhaps we should uh, then call it a day on that subject and uh, solicit um, people to write in because we wanted to get back to doing some more critiques. Sure. Uh, so maybe this is the time of the show where we say, "Send us your stuff." Oh, yeah, yeah. We were going to do another critique episode where we find penises in your artwork and make fun well, of it. That tends to be what Sokar is there to do, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, come so, on. So, I occasionally the, the say go- something that's... You're, you're the go-to person for penis finding. <laughs> oh, I, I occasionally find something. You know, you know while we're making plugs and everything. <laughs> You know, about, you know, Sokar's unusual skills at, at pointing out penises in one's artwork. You know, I, I got a plug from my, uh, my twin brother. I just, uh, this is going to be kind of, uh, this is kind of a, a, a tangent here, but um, my brother started out in 3D modeling and working in computer games. And then in more recent years decided he was 
perhaps more interested and passionate about acting, which was kind of out of left field. He hadn't seen much of that growing up, and all of a sudden, bang, you know, he, he found he caught the acting bug. So he and his family moved out to California, and they've been, and he's done little, you know, independent things here and some advertising there. And we just learned uh, yesterday that he's, uh, he got himself his first line on an American um, soap opera called General Hospital. So oh, he, cool. he 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 got one line, but it was all his, you know. And he had a, a he had a blast, you know. And it was a good experience. So you know, you never really know. I mean, he has no. Ed, he, it's not as though he went to school to become an actor. He he went. He and I were in lockstep. We went to art school. He then taught himself 3D modeling, and now he's an actor. So you can imagine that education <laughs> doesn't always lead you. <laughs> <laughs> Where you're going to go in life, and uh, I think, yeah. So, That's and great. you think about it. I mean, just he he found something he really wanted to do. He found that he loved it, and he put together an action plan to get him to this point. He took some acting classes locally in in L.A., and he got involved in independent projects, and he sought uh, representation, and he networked. You know, he took a class with a casting director who eventually cast him in this small role on General Hospital. And these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the, the point I'm, I'm drawing here is probably not too uh, is probably not too tra- uh, too opaque. I think um, if you find something you love to do, you're going to educate yourself on that thing. You're going to seek your path in it, and if you're lucky, and there is there is some luck involved here, but luck favors the prepared, as they say. You'll eventually find the things that you want to do, and you may. You... I think I think it's uh, fortune favors ah, the bold. Ah, there you go. Yeah, he struck out west. He had to cross the entire United States to get to uh, in seeking of that. That is very brave. Yeah, he went from east coast to west coast. And they didn't have a whole lot going on when they got there. It just kind of, you know, they just built it. That's great, yes. So who knows where the Wonderful. day will take him next? You know, and I think, I think his example yeah. is something that's worth mentioning. Yeah, maybe, he'll, maybe the next step will be like a recurring role in Days of Our Lives. <laughs> or... Mr. Herman, paging Mr. Like, Herman. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, some of, some of these some of these soap operas are pretty popular. They've been going on for a long time. I read recently they just cancelled one that had been going on since 1930 something. Started off on the radio. They only cancelled it just recently. Wow. So, yeah. So I guess there must be an audience for that sort of thing. So you know, you never know what it could lead to. He delivers his one line with panache. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Um, so while we're doing uh, uh, plugs, uh, yes. plugs. Thank you. That's the word. While we're doing plugs, Patrick uh, is getting uh, his hair replaced. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with hair plugs. No, uh, luckily that's one thing I don't need. Uh, a uh, friend of the show, um, Jeremy Rathbone, had asked us to uh, plug his uh, yes. Kickstarter. Yes. yes, you sir. Thank you. <laughs> Jeremy was there too. So we we want to give a quick plug to uh, uh, Monkey Revolution, spelled M-U-N-K-I-E, 
Mon- look up Monkey Revolution on Kickstarter and see if you want to uh, throw a little money as why uh, he's doing a, uh, a comic book about monkeys having a revolution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can uh, go find all about it and see sample pages and uh, hear him talk about it there on uh, Kickstarter. So Banana there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. See, see how easy it is if you're a friend of the show, which uh, basically means just uh, writing to us uh, once in a while and whatnot. You too can get plugs here on. Yeah, Ninja sending Mountain. Patrick large sums of money. <laughs> you know, it's. Yeah. Never heard. I should get the large sums of money. I should get the large sums of money. I need money more than Patrick needs money. I just bought a PlayStation 4. <laughs> I don't even have a PlayStation, so I need more money. <laughs> well, I needed, I needed one so that I can watch Netflix in my bedroom and in my living room. Because, you know, I moved my PS3 into my bedroom. Mm-hmm. Which is actually a stupid idea because there's no games I want for the PS4 yet. So now I'm using my small TV to play all my games and just watching... Actually listening to Netflix on my giant TV. So without the PlayStation 4, you'd have to move from room to room like, like some sort of animal <laughs> just to watch TV. <laughs> that would be horrible. Well, you know, I like watching TV at night when I'm going to sleep, but there's never anything on. So, you know, now I can watch Netflix in my bedroom and I can watch Netflix in my drawing room. And so there's... I can just watch as much Netflix as I like now, and I can cancel my TV subscription. Okay, so you're pimping Netflix, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> or laziness, extremely. I'll, I'll totally, I'll totally make a plug for uh, some of the stuff that I'm doing for my website these days, and that is now I'm offering prints, and you can. Uh, Click on the link on my uh, at com, and I'm also selling original art. And now we're just in time for the holidays. Wink, wink, wink. Oh, yeah, I've got some original arts, too, for sale. So if you want to get somebody a really strange Christmas present, like a picture of a person with four eyes instead of two, or, you know, a drawing of a bird with a huge beak, or anything like that, if you want it for Christmas, you can find it on my website and, you know, you might get a really confused thank you letter like, thanks for the picture, I think. But, you know, if you have a weird person in your family who might appreciate such a gift, uh, you know where to go. Oh, um, also, um, hang on a second. I want to make sure I don't bungle this. I also have a small plug today, which oh. I will make. Um, oh yeah um, there's this uh, you um, I think it's it's science fiction Um, okay I'll just read what it says on the website Um, Outpost 28 is a quarterly print magazine that features tales of the supernatural, macabre, horrific and fantastic as well as some of the best illustrators in the world the magazine focuses on dark fiction and Lovecraftian inspired horror and the reason I'm plugging this is that um, the first issue of this is about to come out um, from Twisted Oak Press, and I've got um, a, an illuminated letter in it. It's an S. 
it looks like it's actually going to be uh, pretty good, apart from just looking at S. <laughs> so uh, I thought I would put a plug for that out there um, while we're plugging stuff. Okay, very good. Well, should we call it a day? I think. I think. Oh, oh. oh wait, wait. Before we do, we should we should actually make a better announcement about the critique episode because we kind of glossed uh, over that. Good, good we want point. to do it. Okay. Jeremy kind of we totally did. It, so totally, but we, that. that should be our parting note so, okay, anyway. Okay, we're doing we're doing another critique episode where we critique your work. If you want to send it in to us, so if you um, find Ninja Mountain on Facebook, you can send us a private you know, a private message with a link to your art and we'll critique as much of it as we possibly can on the show and um, anything that we don't get to on the show we might, we could either do it in two parts or we might give you a written critique on Facebook, we haven't quite decided what we're going to do yet but um, everybody who submits art will get a critique in some shape and form um, yeah, and, so, uh, and it may if we get if we get a lot, which we have in the past when we've done this before, we may do another two part show on it. So uh, yeah, just yeah. send us send us stuff and we will critique it because we love to do that. And if you don't, have, if you haven't got Facebook, just email Jeremy. Sorry, right. Jeremy. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. Is that okay? He's just, he, he fainted. <laughs> he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't handle the pressure. Oh, <laughs> poor Jeremy. We knew him well. <laughs> Ratio. Uh, okay. Well, uh, Jeremy seems to have disappeared. His baby probably peed on him. Oh no no. Yeah. Actually, I was just uh, I, I I blacked out for a second there when someone mentioned my email would be the uh, the black where all the art entries should be sent. I, it was just it was a weird moment there. I'm I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there we are. Let's uh, let's call it a day. I want to do the honors, Jeremy. Yes, I think uh, I'd like to thank Patrick McAvoy. Megaflowgraphics.com. Silker Miles. At garblimey.com. Kieran Yenner. At kieranyenner.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com, where you can find prints and original art, because, you know, you don't really want Silkar's prints and original art. You want Jeremy McHugh's prints and original art. Yeah. That's hey. it. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Cue the musication! <laughs> I bet I can completely edit out your call for you know for for customers just in this you know it's okay. I can... <laughs> oh, I gotta get my little boy here. You're my little man, and I better stop recording. Oh no, there he is. Oh no.